Well, good morning. It's good to be here this morning. It's good to be back. And I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and open to 1 Thessalonians. Thank you. Whether you have a Bible or a tablet or a phone, we're going to be in the ESV. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the seats next to you. Please grab that. Take it home. It's our gift to you. And whatever version you're in, we want to encourage you to follow along with us. It, it is. Let me just begin by saying it's good to be home. And, and I want to say thank you. Uh, to those who have been praying for me, my family, uh, while I was out, uh, while I was uh, spending time in Southeast Asia, uh, for those who've, who've grabbed me for side conversations, some short, some long, who've let me know they've been praying for me, um, your love and your prayers have been greatly appreciated, and I think it's fitting to open that way, because in 1 Thessalonians 3 this morning, we'll be talking about love and prayer for each other. Um, it was a joy and, and a privilege to, to be in Southeast Asia, again, working uh, this was the third year I've been over there working with local pastors, training them in how to handle the Word of God, how to understand the Word of God, how to preach and teach it more effectively, and to see the love of God, the desire people have to grow in God in a country where I was that is facing increasing pressures, which is uh, facing mounting persecution. Uh, was both humbling and encouraging to see the deep love that our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world have for our Lord and Savior. I, I, it's hard to sum up uh, a, a, a trip in, in, in just a few minutes, but I just want to share real briefly one, one highlight that was encouraging to me, and I, and I pray that it be a, a blessing to you. And one of the days that we were there, we had a man who... His pastor is going through uh, training with our organization that I volunteer for, and one of the men from his church grabbed me and my coworker and pulled us aside and, and just uh, and spoke very good English, so it was able to talk to us no problem, and just said, listen, I just want to say thank you that you and your teammates come over here regularly to help train in, in our preachers and help teach our preachers. And then he said this, he said, I, I have noticed a marked difference in the way our pastor handles the Word of God, the way our church is responding to the Word of God, the way that we're able to minister with the Word of God because of the ministry that you and your partners are doing. And I just want to say thank you, and I want to encourage you to keep pouring into us. It has made a difference in our church and in the lives of our people. As we walk verse by verse through Ephesians, and next we'll be going through Galatians as a church, and we're just excited. And that brought such encouragement and joy to me. And so on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Southeast Asia, I just want to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to go and spend some time over there investing in pastoral health around the world for his kingdom, his glory, and his honor. So thank you very much. Um, this morning, again, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And Paul, it's fitting that we're talking about love and prayer because Paul this morning is going to highlight both of these areas in the lives of the congregation, both love and prayer. And in 1 Thessalonians 3, you see Paul's full pastoral heart on display. We see the heart of a shepherd that deeply loves his people, deeply prays for his people. But I don't want us to think about this passage this morning just from a pastoral standpoint. When I read this passage, I was drawn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that in Christ we are a royal priesthood, all of us chosen in him. And so while this passage deals with the heart of a, a priesthood, a part of a shepherd, a pastor, 
I want us to remember that we are called as a royal priesthood in Christ to be ministering and shepherding to one another. So the prayer that we're going to see Paul uh, engage in today and the things that are on his heart and on his mind in love and prayer for his body are things I want to challenge us in this morning to be thinking about. This morning I want us to think about ways that we can practically pray and love each other. That's my goal this morning, to take time for us to think about how we could be praying for and practically loving each other. Here is uh, the big idea that I want us to be thinking about this morning before we jump into our text, and it's this. Our goal this morning is to see that a, a love for God's people will move us to pray for God's people, which is going to cause us to love God's people more which would then in turn cause us to pray for God's people more. And the cycle should just continue. The more I love my church, the more I love God's people, the more I'm drawn to pray for God's people, the more I'm drawn to pray for my church, which should in turn lead me to love deeper God's people, my church, which should in turn lead me to be praying for God's people, my church, even more. And this cycle should just continue and go and go. And so our focus this morning in 1 Thessalonians 3 will be in verses 6 through 13. But I'm going to pick it up in verse 1 so we can just get the full scope of this chapter. Let's look at just verse 1, starting in chapter 3, and work through uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it come, as it come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and the love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we thank you for the faithfulness of men and women who have preserved the word of God through generations so that we may stand here openly and freely reading your message to the Thessalonican church, reading your message for us to hear as you speak to them. Lord, we thank you not only for the opportunity we have, but we think of the men and women around the world who have opportunity to open your word. Some in very public venues, like here in Rowan County, some in very private and hidden venues, Lord. And we pray 
whether we are meeting openly and freely or we are meeting in secret, we pray that your word would work to the hearts and minds of your people. Lord, I pray for the men who are are bringing the word of God this morning here in Salisbury in our pulpits around the town, and I pray that, Lord, your word would work effectively in the hearts and minds of your people here in Salisbury, not just in Life Church, but in the churches in our community, that we may glorify you and honor you in the way that we impact this community for your kingdom. Lord, may your word now speak to us and challenge us in our hearts and minds. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. I want us to think about this morning four ways that we could be praying for our church, whether you are a, a person who prays on a regular basis or you're someone who says, I don't even know where to begin to pray. I want us to think about four things that I want to encourage each of us to be regularly weaving into our time of prayer with God. And if you don't have a, a regular prayer life, here's maybe a place that I would encourage you to begin. All right? Here's the first thing that we see this morning. It's this. We need to take time and weave into our prayer life praise to God for the faith and love of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to weave into our prayer life a regular time of praising God and what he is doing in the lives of the people around us. Let's think about what Paul is saying here. Last week, if you were here, we heard Matt Evans, one of our elders, uh, go through verses 1 through 5 of chapter 3, did a great job walking us through the first five verses and showing us Paul's selfless heart and the call for us to press into community. Now let's remember what's going on in Thessalonica. So Paul and his companions arrive in Thessalonica. They preach the word of God. Uh, People come to Christ. A mob forms. They are run out of Thessalonica. They head down to Berea where they share the word of God. While they're in Berea, a mob from Thessalonica comes down to Berea, runs them out of Berea. They head off to Athens. While Paul is in Athens, as Matt showed us last week, Athens was this town, this city of of just a melting pot of religious ideas. There's no shortage of gods and goddesses. And so Paul has a very ripe ministry field where the gospel needs to be planted in Athens. He could use Timothy, but we saw last week Paul's selfless heart, his sacrificial heart, where he simply said, I I can't take it any longer. I want to know how the Thessalonians are doing. So he sends Timothy there to check on them and encourage them. And in the first five verses of chapter 3, Paul is recapping that, hey, you remember how we left you. And I couldn't bear any longer wondering how you were doing, wondering if you were persevering in the faith, wondering if Satan had sidetracked you. And so I sent Timothy to check on you, and he came back and gave a report. And in verse 6, he's now giving what that report is. And he says, it's this, I am praising God for what Timmy has told me is going on in your church. You guys love each other. You guys love God. You guys have a love for me. And despite the mob that ran us out of Thessalonica, despite the mounting pressure that you guys have been facing, you have not wavered in your faith for God. And I am praising him for that, Paul says. He says, you are standing firm in the gospel, brothers and sisters in Christ in Thessalonica. And I can't help but praise God for what he's doing in you and through you. Look at what Paul does in verse 7. Look at what he says. He says, for this reason, because we heard this, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, 
He says, listen, we, you guys know we have, we have been run out of town. We've been beaten. We've been thrown in prison. Ministry has not been rainbows and lollipops and sunshine here in the Middle East and in Europe. We have had a tough go of it. But when I heard what God was doing in your lives, it was all worth it. And I couldn't help but praise God in all our distress, in all of our affliction. It was comforted, verse 7, because of your deep faith in God and love for each other. And look what he says in verse 8. For now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord. He says, hearing this report as to what God is doing in your life has breathed new life into my body. I can't help but praise God for what he is doing. You know, as we look around church, our church, other churches, I think to our shame, we could be honest and say that our focus has not always been on how our brothers and sisters in Christ are persevering in the faith. I think if we were honest to our shame, we may walk through our church doors and sometimes, unfortunately, our focus is not on our brothers and sisters in Christ and their deep faith, but our focus is on how our brothers and sisters in Christ have let us down, how they have wounded us, how they have failed us, how they have disappointed us, how they have fallen short of our ideal, how they have maybe not met the expectations that we had. And, and to our shame, I think we can be, as church people, guilty of more often than not crying out to God about our disappointment with our brothers and sisters in Christ, of our frustration with our brothers and sisters in Christ, instead of going before the throne and praising God for what he is doing in them in spite of their brokenness and in spite of my brokenness. The mindset of focusing on unmet expectations of hurts, of disappointments, if we are not careful, it can callous us to each other, to the Word of God, and to our relationship with God Himself. And so our heart attitude when we walk through these doors can be very dangerous if our heart attitude is not one where we are open to actively looking to see what God is doing in the lives of people instead of actively looking to see what God is doing in disappointing me through his people. We have to weave regularly into our prayer life times of praise for the faith of those we worship with regularly on a Sunday morning on a weekly basis. In order to do that, I have to walk in with my eyes open, outside of myself, looking, looking, looking for opportunities to see where I can praise God, where a brother or sister in Christ is walking well, or walking better. Or, you know what, man? They are really striving to try to get this right, even when they're falling. I would encourage you, weave into your prayer life regularly times to praise God 
for the evidences that you are seeing of the way he's working in the people you gather with regularly on a Sunday morning. And if you aren't seeing those, maybe you need to begin by saying, God, soften my heart, open my eyes so I can see these things, so I can see how you're working in and through your people, because I know you are. To do this, I need, as Matt Evans said last week, I need to engage my community. In order for me to see what God is doing in my community, I may need to engage it more. I may need to engage it with eyes afresh. I may need to spend time just asking God to soften my heart so I can see what he is doing. Brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, as I've been challenged and encouraged myself this week, to make sure that I am continually weaving into my prayer life times where I'm praising God for things that I am seeing him do in the lives of the people I worship with regularly on a Sunday. Now, here's the second thing we should be praying about. In addition to this, we should be praying for opportunities to be used by God to help our brothers and sisters in Christ continue to grow in their walk with him. So I want to be actively praising God for what he's doing in the lives of his people, my church family, but I also want to be praying for opportunities that God would use me to help my brothers and sisters in Christ continue to grow. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? As we pray most earnestly, night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Notice how Paul responds to the news that the people of God in Thessalonica are growing in Christ, that they are firm in Christ. Notice how he responds to this in verse 9. He praises God for their growth. God, thank you for what you're doing in them. And then he actually cries out in verse 9 saying, God, I don't know what I can do to thank you for what you're doing in them. I don't know what I can do to thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people. But I feel this deep joy, he's saying in verse 9, in seeing how God is working in the lives of others. But notice how Paul responds from there in verse 10. Paul says, listen, I see that you have a deep love for God. I see that you have a deep love for each other. I see that, that you have a deep desire to, to grow. And, and because of this, his prayer in verse 10, look at it. I'm praying night and day. I'm praying on a regular basis that I may see you. We'll get to that in a moment. And supply what is lacking in your faith. Look at what Paul's praying. He's saying, Praise God for what you're doing in the lives of your people. And I'm so excited, God, in what you are doing that I can't help but praise you and ask you of one thing of you, God. How can you use me to help them grow even more? Self-centeredness has walked away in this prayer, hasn't it? Notice what Paul is not praying. He's not praying for self. He's not praying, God, meet these needs that I have right now. He's saying, God, I have a deep love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. You've seen me sacrifice. I sent Timothy when I could have used him here. And I heard what you're doing, and I'm rejoicing in that. And this fuels him to pray and say goodbye to self-centeredness in prayer. He's not praying weak 
self-centered, give me, give me, give me type prayers. I think if we're honest, there are moments that can be our prayer life. Paul says, no, my prayer is this. In whatever capacity you need me, God, may you use me to supply whatever they're lacking to grow more in their love for you. Paul's prayer that he's modeling for us is this. His eyes are open, they're off of self, and he looks out and sees what God is doing. He praises him for what he's doing. And his prayer is not, how can the church serve me better? How can they give me what I want or need? Instead, Paul says very intentionally, God, how can you open me up to be used by you to drive your word and your love deeper into these brothers and sisters in Christ? When our hearts and eyes are open to seeing the faith others have in God, it should move us in our love for God in them to desire to help them grow even more. It should drive us joyfully with a heart that says, God, you're doing things here. You're doing some marvelous things here, and you're doing some slow building over here, but you are active in the lives of these people. And God, how can you use me to help continue to grow them? Now, this is a very different heart posture and very different prayer than sometimes we can have, if we're quite honest. It's one that says, God, help me walk through the doors of my church on a Sunday morning with my eyes and my heart off of me, focused on you and what you are doing in the lives of the people who are walking through these doors with me. I, I, as I think about this the last couple of years, there, there is a quote that has ran through my head quite a bit, and it's that iconic John F. Kennedy quote, uh, from years back, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. We're very familiar with that, right? Okay, if you're under 40, Google it. It's a big moment in, in, in our country's history, and there were presidents before 2001, so you need to check it out under 40, okay? I got picked on for teasing people over 50 about YouTube, so now I got to give it back to you young folk. If you don't know who John F. Kennedy is, all I can say is shame on you, right? I mean, Okay, so, you know, he stands up and delivers this iconic quote where he simply says, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I've thought about that, and it's actually fueled me in a JFK-type prayer. Now, this wasn't a prayer John F. Kennedy gave, and there's no book called the JFK Prayer, because there shouldn't be, right? Because the guy really didn't live a Christian modeling lifestyle, all right? Um, let's just be really quite honest. But, but it has fueled in my heart, in my mind, over the last couple of years, this thought. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. I've thought about that for several years now. Stop asking what your church can do for you and ask what you can do for your church. It, it, even as a pastor, has changed my heart posture towards my brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop asking what they can do for me and how they can have my needs met and walk through these doors asking God, how can I meet their needs for your glory and your honor? And God, this is key, 
I trust you, God, that you will supply my daily bread and what I need to be filled mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I trust you, God, to do that. Now give me eyes and ears and a heart that asks not what my church can do for me, but what I can do for my brothers and sisters in Christ to help them grow. That's a very different heart posture. God, open my heart and my eyes so I can help these individuals grow in Christ for your kingdom and your glory and your honor. So look at what Paul has shown us now to weave into our prayer life. Number one, we need to be praising God for what he's doing in the lives of the people around us. And then we need to be praying, God, give me opportunities to be used by you to help them grow even more. Now this, yeah, okay. This, this lends itself to, to my third point that we see as Paul now begins to pray in verse 11. In order to do this, I need to be praying for opportunities to regularly connect with God's people. In order for me to help them grow, I need to start praying for more opportunities to connect with them to help them grow. Look at verse 11. Now the prayer begins. Now... May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Remember, in verse 10, he said, I am praying earnestly to see you face to face. And now I'm praying, verse 11, that God would direct my steps so I can see you. He begins to pray and praise God. And it begins in verse 11 with him saying, God, how you ever need to do it, I pray that you would move in such a way that my contact with these brothers and sisters in Christ would increase. I, I think there are many in, in, in this world, again, I'm going to paint broadly, and I think to our shame, we could say that's been us sometimes. I, I think that, that for many, church is not ever what God intended it to be. And what do I mean by that? I, I, I think for some of us, church can be a social gathering and nothing more especially in a place where it's very culturally acceptable to be in church. I think for some of us, church has become a massive place of disappointment by the sin of the people around us because we are all broken and sinful as God is working in us. I think for some, church has been a place where I have been nothing but disappointed in my needs not being met. I think for some, church is nothing more than an obligation it's expected of me from my spouse or my parent or my friend or my um, classmate or my coworker, and I just want to keep them happy. And it's easier just to kind of go than not go. And so for some of us, I think we, if we were very honest, we walk through the doors on Sunday morning because we're fulfilling an obligation. We're checking a box. And, and, and when church is over, I've got places to go, people to see, even if that place to go is my couch, to see Cam Newton or whoever's quarterback in Carolina. Uh, somebody, I think, uh, yeah, Michael took a Cam Newton shot a couple weeks ago, I'll back off. So um, we'll find somebody else to kind of pick on. But, you know, I mean, we, we, we may feel like, hey, I've got places to go and people to see, and it might just be my couch to watch the football game. But, but, but I checked the box. I was at church. And, and the thought of a Bible study or a life group or a one-on-one -on -one later in the week isn't even on our radar because, you know what, I just need to be where I need to be on Sunday and call it good. I don't think that's what God had in mind when he, when he instituted what we call church. I, I don't think that's what he had in mind. 
I don't think it was meant to be a, a box to check of social obligations, but we are called to be this living and active organism of his people who are redeemed and looking to grow in him and honor him and shine in such a way that the world takes notice and we can point back to our Father in heaven and give him glory. I think that's what we're called to be as a church. Now, listen to what Paul is doing. He says, God, I want you to specifically rearrange things so that I can spend more time with these brothers and sisters in Christ because I want to help them grow more. Think about that for a moment. Paul says, listen, I am, I am rejoicing in what you're doing. I am celebrating what you're doing in the body of God and I want to be used by you to be more a part of that. I want to get on board. I'm excited in what you're doing. And because of this, he is praying that God would arrange things so that they can come into greater contact. Are you praying for God to arrange your time, your heart, your calendar, so that you have more opportunities to be used by him to strengthen each other? Maybe your prayer is you need to go home and, and, and with all humility and brokenness say, God, I hand you my day planner. And maybe, God, I need you to rearrange it because it's not where it needs to be. That's bold. For some of you, that's extremely scary. And I would suggest that's because for some, our day planner has become our idol. It's what we serve regularly. I would encourage you to weave into your prayer life, God, arrange my time, arrange my calendar, arrange my heart in such a way that I have more opportunities to regularly connect with your people to help them grow. Maybe through a life group, maybe through a Bible study, maybe through just a one-on-one -on -one maybe through serving somewhere in, in my church so I have opportunity to serve and also worship. Maybe it's rearranging your calendar so you can meet with individuals in times that our church doesn't regulate as part of our what I'll call programming. But you're just on your own taking the initiative to connect with a brother or sister in Christ for accountability, for prayer, for time in the Word, for check-ins. Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's bi-weekly, maybe it's monthly. I would encourage you to be intentional in praying for God to give you opportunities to regularly connect with his people so you can help them grow. And if you're praying that and walking in with that hard attitude and your brothers and sisters of Christ are praying that and walking in that hard attitude, you don't have to be selfish. God will provide because we're all looking outside of, each other, outside of ourselves at each other. Now, why do I think it's important that we think about praying for opportunities to regularly connect with God's people? Well, let's think about how Paul has walked us through these three, uh, these three points thus far, and we get to our fourth point, which I know pastors aren't supposed to have. We only count to three. Um, but, but we're praising God for the faith and love that our brothers and sisters in Christ have. We're praising God for the evidences we see of him working in the people around us. And then we're praying, asking God to give us a heart that will be open to being used by him to help those brothers and sisters grow more. 
which means I'm praying to God, asking him to rearrange my time and my schedule so I can infuse into my life more opportunities to serve and glorify him by ministering to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why should I be doing that? Look at verses 12 and 13. Here's my fourth point. We need to be praying for the love of our brothers and sisters in Christ for each other to grow, to increase so that we may be prepared to stand before God. I want you to think about this now. Our prayer should be, God, I'm praying that the people around me grow in their love for each other, so that when the time comes and they stand before you, they are ready. Look at verse 12 and 13. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. So he's praying, God, I want to be directed to your way, and may you help them grow in their love for one another as we do for you, so that, verse 13, if you have the ESV, it says, so that. He's, he's given a conclusion. This is why I'm praying that I can see them more and that their love for each other would grow more. I'm praying this so that because, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Notice what he's saying here. Here is the reason I'm praying that I can minister more to you so that you can grow in holiness. How do you grow in holiness, or what I would call sanctification? We'll talk about that in just a moment. How do I grow in that? Look at what he says in verse 13. Our spiritual growth is very much linked to the way that we love and care for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now this shatters what I would call Western ideology when it comes to church and religion. Paul is saying that your growth and holiness, your sanctification, your being set apart... And all I mean when I'm saying holiness or sanctification is becoming more Christ-like. Okay? When, when you are saved, when you come to understand who Jesus Christ is, when, when, when you hear the gospel that, that, that God has created the heavens and the earth and that he has created you and we're accountable to him as the king of the cosmos and that we have violated his laws of, of the universe, we have violated his moral laws and his spiritual laws, and because of that we have been kicked out of his kingdom. We've been banished from it because of our disobedience to the king like any king would do in any kingdom. And, and because of that, we're going to spend eternity separated from him. It's what we would call in the Bible hell, right? But, but the good news of the gospel is we're not left there because God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to live a life of perfect obedience to the Father where we didn't. And in the end, he walks to the cross and is nailed to the cross and simply says, listen, I want to make a trade. I want you to take my perfection and credit it to their account of spirituality and take their sin and credit it to my payment here on the cross. And Christ says, yes. God says, yes, I will accept it. And so as Paul would say to the Corinthian church, I implore you, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. It's the only way you can be right with God. Okay? Now, when you accept Jesus Christ, you are sanctified. You are holy, set apart, positionally. That is what you are. Now, the rest of your life between accepting Christ and when he calls you home, either by death or his return, you are growing in your experiential sanctification. You're living out, trying to become more Christ-like. Okay? So he says, listen, 
How do we become more Christ-like? I want you so that, I want you to have hearts that are more Christ-like so you're prepared to stand before God in his return. How does he do that? He says, by pouring into you, verse 10, so that your love for one another can increase. And I said this crushes Western ideology when it comes to religion. Because we have been taught a lie straight from hell and Satan himself that religion is a private thing. And what you do in your spiritual walk is between you and God or whatever else you want to worship. And Paul right here says, that's garbage. Your spiritual growth, your becoming more Christ-like is tied to your ability to love the people of God who are around you. That's deep. I would encourage you, if nothing else, ponder that for the week or the month or the year to come. Because we have been taught that I can have church on my own, that I can have church in my car. Listen, you can hear a lot of good preachers on the internet these days that are phenomenal. There's no doubt about it. We have access to a lot of great tools. But what you miss in that, Paul is saying here is this. You need each other to help grow in Christ-likeness, and you can't get that from a podcast. You need the church for your spiritual growth, is what Paul is saying here. That changes Western theology of the church. Paul says, listen, this is why you need it. Because the New Testament is full of what we would call the one another's. To love one another. To pray with one another. To sing psalms to one another. To forgive one another. To bear with one another. To uplift with one another. To weep with one another. You can't do that in a podcast. You can't do that in a podcast. And I would say this with with great sensitivity. I think the problem in America, I'm just going to say this for a moment, is not that we don't understand the gospel. I think the problem in America is we have too many churches. There are too many options. And so what that means is this. If I get angry with, I'll just use us because we're here. If I get angry with Life Church or I'm hurt by Life Church, there's no shortage of options in this town. I can walk out these doors and I can find a new church to go to every Sunday for probably the next six months and never even leave this county. Am I right in that? Right, okay. So what I'm saying is this. It's too easy to walk away. And if I do that, I'm not pressing in when I'm hurt, when I'm wounded, and allowing people to bear with me, to ask for their forgiveness, for them to ask me for forgiveness, to love them, to uplift them. And what I'm doing, Paul is saying here is this. I'm shortchanging my spiritual growth. It's huge what Paul is saying here. For, for, for if you're here today and you think you don't need the church, you don't need your brothers and sisters in Christ because your spiritual walk is your own thing, Paul is saying you have been lied to by our culture for years. Pray that you may have a heart attitude that is committed to each other so that you can help your brothers and sisters in Christ be ready for their time before God as they help prepare you. That's deep. How should I be praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ? Paul shows us four ways. Praise God. Take time to actively praise God for what you're seeing him do in the lives around you. Pray for opportunities for you to be used by God to help those people around you continue to grow. Which means I'm praying for opportunities to regularly connect with them by handing God my schedule. And I'm praying this because, God, my prayer is in doing this, 
my brothers and sisters in Christ will grow in their love for each other because you've told us here in your word in verse 13, that's part of the process of making us more Christ-like and preparing us for our time before God. I always love the debate of what comes first, the chicken or the egg, and after about six seconds I check out because I don't really care. Who cares? What comes first, I pray for my church or I love them more? It's actually cyclical. The more I pray for my church, the more I'm going to love them. The more I love them, the more I'm going to pray for them. And the more I pray for them, the more I'm going to love them. The more I love them, the more I'm going to pray for them. And on and on and on it goes. Why should I be loving and praying for my church? Because Paul just shows us here in chapter 3 that it is, it is linked to their spiritual growth. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, their growth, part of it is played out in the way that you pray for them, in the way that you love them. Don't buy into the lie of thinking that spirituality is a private thing. Paul says it's not. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Paul's deep, deep love for his people, your people. Lord, I thank you for just seeing a, a shepherd's heart on full display, a, a heart that, Lord, is, is just bursting, hoping to come into contact with these brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, to our shame, we admit there are Sundays where we don't even want to roll out of bed because it's just easier to sleep in and, and we'll just catch a podcast later, Lord. And yet you show us here in this passage that we are called to minister, to love, to be praying for each other so we can help each other grow in our walk with you to your glory and to your honor and to your praise. Lord, may we be a church. May we be a church of people who walk through these doors with hearts focused on you and those around us looking for opportunities to praise you for what you're doing, looking for opportunities to serve those around us to help them grow, looking for opportunities for us to drive deeper into our love for each other so you may mold us more and more into our Christ-likeness. Lord, may this not only be our prayer as individuals in a church, may we look to be actively engaging in allowing you to use us to answer these prayers. Lord, we pray this all in your Son's glorious name. Amen.